You are listening to the E2C Network, where the Auburn family speaks. Where you go, Auburn fans? Welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson. Auburn had a rough one this last week. They got another loss. And this one, I feel like, hurt way more than getting blown up by Texas A&M. We lost 43-34. to But to come with me to do this, to get through this, I have invited the man himself, Kyle Loomis. While Jared's out, he's doing some Christmassy stuff with his family. I get it. You know, pictures with Santa are very important. I mean, hey, hey, Jared, Jared. <laughs> If you're listening to this, go ask Santa if we can, you know, get a redo on that last game. That'd be real nice. Thanks. Okay. All right. How you doing, Kyle? Wow. Uh, I. Where do you start with this one? First of all, uh, thank you, AJ, for letting me come back on your show after kicking me off so many years ago. <laughs> I didn't kick you off. Oh uh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, you know, people, you know, they don't know what happens behind the scenes. They don't know how I get used and abused over here. So, <laughs> yeah, I was kicked off a couple of years no. ago. False, fake news. Uh, I'm also sad that you get the, get the opportunity to be with Ben because I would have loved to hear Ben King's take on this oh. game. Oh, I'm sure it would have been glorious. Oh, it would have been, you know, it probably would have made everything better just to hear him go off on a rant. So Ben <laughs> King, I, I, I hate that you weren't able to be here to uh, discuss that. I might have even jumped on with you guys if you had been just so I could experience, have the Ben King experience to myself. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so Jared, thanks for letting me step in for you uh, this week, but you know, there are so many ways to take this game. There are so many angles to discuss on this, and I would invite all of you to not only listen to this podcast, if you're listening, but to check out our YouTube channel where I do some stuff separate of the guys. Uh, we'll be talking all about it and the rest of the season, and many, many, many other things are going to be coming out this week, I'm sure, that haven't been released yet. And uh, it's going to be a fun one, so... Um, I'll try my best to kind of give you give you some coherent thoughts on it, but I'm still trying to piece everything together, AJ. Yeah, same here. I, I feel like I'm. It's one of those things where you get you know a day or two away from this, and we're recording this at Sunday, so we've had you know pretty much 24 hours now to kind of process this. I'm starting to see some some things that you know can be changed in the short term, but I think most Auburn fans are thinking. You know, the, now essentially the honeymoon phase of Brian Harson's kind of over. You know, what what does the Brian Harson era look like now that you know we're kind of out of that? And now he he's kind of getting some of this brunt of you know an Auburn fan uh, with you know all the criticisms that it comes. I mean, every you know coach in the last you know twenty years has essentially gotten you know the brunt of this, especially with social media. Like social media has made it easier for people to just, you know, bash on a, you know, coach or whatever, but you know, that's, that's the way it goes. And, you know, Brian Harson stepped into this gig um, at Auburn coming into the sec, knowing that, you know, it's a, it's a tough place to coach, but yeah. he accepted it. I I'm not worried about Brian Harson dealing with fans and media members and stuff like that. Cause he doesn't give a fly and rip. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, listen, uh, I think it's, for those of you maybe that don't hear me as often on the podcast, I'll kind of just set the table a little bit. It's one of my favorite phrases for my perspective on not just the season, Coach Harson, but you know everything since the end of last season. I was not in favor of the firing of Coach Malzahn. Uh, that's not either here or there at this point, but I'm just using that to kind of set up my point here. I was never like not ambivalent. I don't even know if that's the right word. I was 
fine with the Harson hire. I didn't think it was probably worthy of the firing of Malzahn. If you're going to fire a top 10 level paid coach, you need to hire a top 10 level paid coach. I wasn't wanting a wholesale changeover, which is what we got. Um, and so I, my expectations were real low, not because I was expecting Harson to fail, but because I knew what was going to happen. And I'm not saying that to toot my own horn. I, this this whole concept of the honeymoon phase being over, there was never going to be a honeymoon. Like the, We had this section of our fan base who have gotten so spoiled. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I know this is very blunt, and I'm, I'm trying to be nice to when I say it, but so spoiled that they cannot grasp the fact that a wholesale changeover has bumps in the roads, big bumps. I knew – I shouldn't say I knew. I felt that we were going to have – a huge speed bump like this happened at some point. I just didn't know where my gut at the time at the beginning of the season was going to be Ole Miss. And when we got over that hump, I was like, Oh, this might actually, I got on the hype train. Yeah. He was like, this actually might turn out to be a pretty crazy end of the season in a good way. Yeah. But then we had to go run into the old pirate himself, you know, <laughs> so, uh, listen, Auburn fans take a chill pill. Is this not what you wanted? Are you not entertained? You wanted the whole and I, I'm, I know that we're all got different perspectives and things like this. I'm just saying, as a collective, we all just decided that we wanted a change. This is what comes with change. You've got to have patience. You've got to stop blowing up on social media just because you, you can't have a, a fit in public. Right. Everybody chill out. This is yeah. year one. Let the man do his job, and let's see what happens with his trajectory, not his present. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it just makes me think because, you know, our most recent head coaches have had success real quick. I mean, you know, Gene Chizik got his national championship in a, just a few years of being head coach. Right. And then, you know, Gus Malzahn in his first year of being a head coach. Yeah. And I know, you know, like two years previous, he was offensive coordinator and whatever. But it's still like, you know, changeover of, you know, all the staff essentially, or yeah. most of the staff in Gus Malzahn's situation. And we had success then. So I feel like you know, Auburn fans' perspective is, yeah, we, we think it should happen like immediately. Yeah. But well, in Gus, most cases, I don't think that's usually the way it is. Yeah. Well, and Gus, like you said, basically left for a year and his players were all still there. He had yeah. like one class that he really did. And he probably had a hand in most of those guys because they recruit two, mm-hmm. three, sometimes four and five years out these days. Yeah. You know, so they were recruiting players that he, he still basically had a setup for. So I'm not saying that to take anything away from Coach Malzahn and his first year success, but he had a much favorable situation than Coach Harson did. Completely different system, completely way of different doing things on top of that. It's going to take a little bit. Is this not what you wanted? That's what I keep asking. And I, I know that makes some Auburn fans really mad, but I think there's a reality setting for a lot of these unrealistic Auburn fans that expected a Gus Malzahn 11 in one year and that reality set. And so now they're lashing out, whether it's Bo Nix, whether it's other fans, whether it's Harson now, you know, or Bobo or Mason, you know, it, it can't just be guys. We're not a great program right now. We will probably get there again someday, but it's not right now. And that's okay. Yeah. It's yeah. not accepting mediocrity. It's not, you know, uh, striving for less it's simply understanding the context of where you're at and where you want to be and that's just a very wholesome realistic way to look at things so i'm sorry i was i was supposed to not be ranting all about fans at the beginning of this but i mean i'm I'm a little i'm a little uh what's the word uh chuffed i think is the british word this morning (laughs) d4 shout out to you um i i mean that just kind of gets me thinking 
the you're kind of taking the role of Ben King here because I know Ben King would have run on went on some similar rant about. Don't something tell like me that. I'm like Ben King. I can't. Yeah, I can't be that. that. <laughs> I love the guy. I can't be Ben King. There, there's like there's no way anybody should want to be Ben King because you can't attain that level of Auburnness. <laughs> like I wish I could like you know just take an inch of the Auburnness that has been King, but I can't even strive for this. So don't set me up for failure. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll back off it just a little, just a little. Um, but Hey, let's just start talking about this game a little bit before we get into, you know, specific, you know, plays or players. Let's talk about coaching because uh, I, I kind of want to get your perspective. I mean, we haven't had you on for uh, this season yet. And I want to hear your perspective on, you know, we touched on Harson, but where, where do you think we're at with, Let's just start with Mike Bobo, you know, offensive play calling, you know, setting up this offense. And we had, we had, we've had some issues. We've had very good games and then we've had, you know, six quarters of not even scoring a touchdown. And then, you know, this game, we have four straight drives at the beginning of the game, four straight touchdowns. And then we slap you, then we have our slump. Like where, where are you kind of thinking we're at with Mike Bobo and his offensive, you know, system at this point? I'm going to say a story again that I've said thousands of times on our YouTube live stream. So if those, we've got some listeners over here that follow that, they're going to be rolling their eyes at this point. This story again, uh, I sat down at a Chick-fil-A post-Georgia game to grab some dinner while um, the traffic was dying down so I could get home here upwards of Atlanta. And these two Georgia fans uh, saw me watching the Alabama, what was going to eventually be the Alabama Texas A&M, lost my phone. So they just started talking to me about that, and we just started talking about the game. Actually ended Mm -hmm. up being pretty nice guys considering they're Georgia fans, which is shocking. (laughs) (laughs) There's my first shot of the game, (laughs) of this podcast. Um, But I I just looked at him, and I said, I need you to honestly tell me. I said, what we've seen from Bobo, what we saw today, is this the type of play calling? Like, is this – his system or is he still just trying to figure things out like is can is this what we can expect you know two thirds passing one third uh, rushing and he said yes or they both said yes this is what you can expect and he's going to have times where he's very he's on it and he's it's going to look unstoppable and then there's going to be games like today you had against us where he just couldn't they he and the players couldn't get it figured out Hmm. um and so i it wasn't so much about that aspect but the fact that it was less running I said, oh, I don't know if I like that. And that's not a knock on Bobo. I'm just talking about being a traditionalist Auburn fan where we are a power run. Just we focus on using the run to set up the pass. Harson and Harson to his his scheme and Bobo's as well seems to want to pass to set up the run. Yep. So it's just not what I prefer. That doesn't make it wrong. Does that make sense? So so my my yeah. assessment of Bobo is I want everybody to stop worrying about trying to fire the guy just because you didn't get the results you wanted. And let's give him if he chooses and Harson chooses to keep going with this, let's give him more than one year. I mean, let's give him at least three years. I think, you know, I, I would ask for more, but I don't know that I can even get two out of some people. So for me, Harson, uh, excuse me, Bobo, it, just patience. That's all I can. That's going to be a theme that you hear from me tonight. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of on that train as well. I mean, I, I, I understand. I mean, there's, a few times where yeah, Mike Bobo didn't call the right play and it just you know didn't work. That's gonna happen. That's gonna happen for every offense. And a lot of that has to do with you know play execution. But I don't put it necessarily all on Bobo all the time. Right. But it's, it's sometimes I, his fault. It's cause he's the coach and the yeah. buck stops with him, the buck stops with Harson too. Yeah. But there's so much more that go into that that goes into that. And when people make statements like, Oh, we gotta fire Har- uh, Bobo, that'll that'll fix this whole problem, or we gotta fire Mason, that'll fix this whole thing. That's such a uneducated, that's such a short sighted, just I'm sorry, pathetic take. 
that's you can say that you know I think there should be a change at the end of the season, but for people that just want to get him fired after this game, after a game that was very disappointing, let, let's let's halt the brakes on that. I'm sorry, that's that's just such a weak take. Yeah. Now, if you saw a theme of you know, things going on, yeah, sure. Like there, there. But he's had successes, right? No, he's absolutely. I mean, we have had some. You know, Bo Nix has had some of his best games, arguably under Mike Bobo, and. I think that's a credit to Mike Bobo and his system. And, and you know, the crazy thing is that's without a, you know, a super stout running game that I think Auburn fans are kind of used to mm-hmm. and young wide receivers that have struggled and had games where they have dropped, you know, up to almost like eight, nine passes in a game. That's so hard to come back from, but yet, you know, Bo's had a great season, you know, kind of, you know, at, at points and then he'll have like games like, you know that he struggles and that's that's you know kind of the way you know college right. uh, quarterback in most scenarios kind of happens but again that kind of like you know it's partially mike bobo but it could just be other you know other factors leading up to that right yeah i, I just everybody halt the brakes everybody chill out if you expected this to be a championship season if you expected this to be a a 10 win season you were being very unrealistic uh and that's not me settling for mediocrity because that's always what's thrown back at you. It's like, oh, you're just settling for mediocrity. No, I'm just realistic because I know what we're dealing with. Yeah. And I mean, thinking back on the season, you know, preseason, I think most people were kind of around seven and five. Saying, you know, seven and five, we can do that. We still have a, you know, if we can beat South Carolina and Columbia next week, we can still do that. We're, it's still in the playing cards, which, you know, that's not the best season for an Auburn fan, but, it's a winning season and that's pretty good considering, you know, your tough competition, in the sec West. All right. I wanted to switch a little bit to Derek Mason and uh, what you kind of think of him from this, uh, you know, so far this season, uh, because I mean, think about it. Yeah. He, he didn't have, he didn't have uh, a lot of, I mean, he's been a defensive coordinator in the past, took a break was head coach at Bandy comes back to, you know, defensive coordinator, you know, as a sole his sole job. And now, you know, what, what's your thoughts on him, you know, this far into the season? Can we just agree that we should not use any part of argument for or against Derek Mason and use Vandy in that equation? Is that a fair statement? <laughs> yeah. I feel like Vandy's uh, just kind of a eight year blur or however long he was there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So let, let's just, let's, let's say anybody outside of Franklin who's now at Penn state uh, and the only person to see legitimate success at Vanderbilt in time. That's just an, that's a unheard of. Can't fault him for that. I look more to his time at Stanford. Um, you know, he was, for lack of a better term here, the sexy hire of not just Harson's staff, but of the offseason for a lot of college football. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to me, I thought, okay, I, I want to get on the hype train, but there's something just kind of like keeping me from getting all on it. And I, I think it's probably just, you know, me probably just being honest, having a little bit of sour grapes about the whole not wanting the, the firing to take place of Gus and to go through all this anyway. So I'm, I'll acknowledge that's probably a little bit there. But I, I just, there was something about it. It's like, why is everybody so hyped about the guy? Again, not discrediting him for, you know, the Vanderbilt situation. He seems like a very rah-rah type of guy. I like the way he coaches from what I've seen about him and stuff like that in terms of when he's out there on the practice field with guys and the way he talks to players, the way he speaks to them about developing them into men. Uh, you know, there's a lot to like about Derek Mason. Yeah. 
but here's this here's the thing is everybody's expectations were so high for him but everybody's expectations were so high for 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 the defense too we thought we were loaded and we probably are with talent at defensive back but boy was it not ready for his defense and we thought we were going to have a little bit better of a defensive line situation. Mm-hmm. It's shown itself at times. The attrition that we went through, lack, uh, losing uh, several players uh, that t- chose to leave because of the Malzahn firing or other various reasons uh, left, that's hurt us a little bit. Linebackers have been fine, aside for injuries. So this is, I think that's why you see so much hurt about Mason now. It's because the expectations, again, just like the season was for some people who couldn't, you know, rationalize and look at context. Mason had these expectations so high put on him, and now people are so disappointed they just lash out. So where I'm at with Mason is, do I like what I'm seeing? Do I prefer the 3-4 defense? No, I avoid it at all costs on Madden and NCAA because I don't <laughs> know how to, how to do it. <laughs> that's just, again, that's my personal preface. It doesn't mean it can't work. This is a wholesale changeover, folks. And I know this is like I'm a broken record now. It's a wholesale changeover in head coach, his scheme, his way of doing things. It's a wholesale changeover on offense, and it's a wholesale changeover on defense. When you have four years' worth of guys that weren't recruited for these specific system, this specific way of doing things, just like the first year with Nick Saban, it pains me to say that, you are going to have some problems. So patience. Here I go again. Yep. And that seems to be the theme. I mean – uh, I mean, I, okay, as much as this loss did pain me, like walking out of the stadium hurt. Yeah. I also, I, I also kind of, you know, knowing that this is a first year coach and, and, you know, we knew that there were going to be some issues. I mean, I, I, you know, <laughs> the optimist in me always wants to think, yeah, we can win out the rest of the season, maybe beat, yeah. you know, you know, go and beat Bama and then we can, you know, go to the sec West championship. Like we can do it. We can do it. And I was saying, yeah, but also this is a team that has a new head coach, new offensive team, new defensive scheme. And we're still, you know, going through those growing pains and the growing pains are going to, you continue probably through this year and even probably into next year. And so just, you know, I'm preparing myself just as, just as much as I'm trying to prepare you this is going to be, you know, I mean, at least next year before you start seeing like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, I think we've had our you know taste of it, like going down to Baton Rouge, getting a win at LSU, beating Ole Miss. Like we've had some good wins under Harson, but it's not going to be, you know, up to what most fans are thinking it's going to be, you know, even next year. Maybe right. by the third year, like I think we could have you know a chance of winning the SEC West, but even next year, I mean, you, you got to go to to Athens and Tuscaloosa, mm, rough. Yeah, and and look, we're talking the high level stuff here. We're not even necessarily talking about the Mississippi State game. And the main reason we're having this conversation is because of the Mississippi State game. You yeah, know, forty unanswered points. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That begs the question of, of you know what's what's going on here. You know. Yeah, it absolutely does. I mean, it, I mean, the the question that popped in my head: Did the team quit at some point? Because for thirty minutes, offense looked like they didn't know how to run or pass or do anything. Defense allowed like it seemed like every completion that Mississippi State got was a first down or more. Oh yeah, and and like our defense. I mean, <laughs> let's put it this way: I there was a stat thrown out there 
that Mississippi State's quarterback, after the first quarter, only had three incompletions the rest of the game. Three. Right. Like, that that means you're not getting pass rush, and your defenders aren't playing tight enough to cause pass breakups. And and can I add to that? Because I want this to be said publicly because, Lord help me, the uh, Mississippi State fans just can't take the fact that you can have, you know, a little bit different opinion. Uh, I'm giving credit to Will Rogers. I'm giving credit to Mike Leach. I'm giving credit to the whole Mississippi State team. They took that game. Yeah. Uh, you know, there we're going to discuss it here in a second. There's some things that you can certainly account for that made it a little bit easier for them, but you cannot take away the effort of Will Rogers, the scheming, the the adjusting by Mike Leach um, on both sides of the ball, frankly. Yeah. Well, when you're 28 to three at an opposing team stadium, most teams would just kind of give up. Right. They, they, you know, just be like, all right, this game's over. All right, let's, you know, pack it up. Let's just kind of get through the game. And, and they did not do that. So, I mean, there's definitely credit to be due towards them. But equally as much, you know, attention should be on Auburn's coaches for yeah. not getting our guys. I mean, even I think it was Bo said something about, yeah, we just got kind of complacent. Mm-hmm. And you can't be complacent in the game of football, especially with good competition. And when you get complacent, there's a point I mean, when I played football, if you're complacent, injuries are going to happen. Bad stuff is going to happen. You have to play kind of you know, on point, 100% ready to go all the time. If you're not, I mean, that's kind of what happened. It, it, you know, you get you know, pushed over. You get put on your heels. That's what happened for 30-something minutes in the middle of the game. And we, we kind of looked inept. It's, uh, you know, I've heard Harson talking a lot about this, and – I've stressed this to folks. You got to listen to his press comments if you're not. I do weekly videos where I break down what he's saying, just to kind of short form it for people that don't want to take the time to listen to the whole thing. But if you really listen, he is coach speaking, but he's giving you small details if you'll listen very closely. He talked a lot about last week about getting the right people in for the right culture. That tells me those people aren't here right now. So your mm. choices are: do you make what the best of a bad situation? What you, what you have, or do you just get rid of them altogether and make the rest of the team suffer? Now, I'm not saying that we should just be playing players just because they haven't earned it. That's not what I'm saying at all. So please don't extrapolate that out. I'm just simply saying, again, here I am again. This is a wholesale changeover. There's going to be bumps in the road. Um, I, I, I'm not pleased with what I saw out on the field uh, against Mississippi State. Um, the inability to get a stop, um, whether that scheme adjustments you know there's there's several people that want to talk about there's no adjustments made on defense you you can't say that i'm sorry you can't you're not in the locker room you're not on the sideline you're not in the booth with me you don't know what adjustments they are making did they make the right adjustments clearly not but just that doesn't mean they made they didn't make any adjustments and and most people aren't saying that type of thing um and sometimes people you know people have focused a lot on why are we playing so much zone has anybody ever thought Maybe we, do, outside of Roger McCreary, maybe Jalen Simpson, we do not have the players that can man up on on people. Hmm. And, well, maybe and, the re, and maybe and, the reason we're running the three four is because maybe we do not have the players well, that and, can, you know, that we, we need extra help back there. Yeah. Well, I was going to point out. Do you know who ran a lot of man against Mississippi State and got blown out? LSU. Yep. And we, I mean, you know, it's it's not just you know this game. But we've decided to run more zone. And, you know, when you don't have as good of secondary players, you kind of have to sometimes, you know, play play like that, keep everything in front of you. 
um, not play as aggressive. Don't break. Yeah. And you know what? It has been successful at times. I mean, we have kept teams out of the end zone. I mean, even, you know, last week, we did a pretty good job of keeping them out of the end zone. They just scored a lot of field goals on us. Right. And then, you know, that turnover, that was it. And then this, you know, this game, (laughs) everything for, you know, the first, you know, handful of drives Mississippi State had, we were doing the bend but don't break. We're doing it. And then something changed. Some Mississippi State made their adjustments. And even with our adjustments, they weren't the right adjustments. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, you can't say it enough. You know, credit has to go to Mississippi State, but we did not make the right decisions. And we probably did get a little complacent. Uh, you know, if the students leaving at halftime was an indication, <laughs> I think everybody mm. was a little too comfortable uh, with what they were seeing in the first half. And uh, I was not comfortable after the game. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I I wasn't comfortable at half when I saw Mississippi State drive, score a touchdown right before half, and knowing that they're going about to get the the ball, I was saying, yeah, this is that middle, you know, what do they call it? The middle eight is that the, what they call it? Like the middle like section of the game that's so key in momentum yeah. swings. And I was saying, oh gosh, like Mississippi State's about to take this even more, even further. And you know what they did? They took it and they kept going. Right, um, there was no stopping them. Um, I did want to point out a couple of players because, you know, despite all of, you know, the negative conversations that have been going on, I think there was some pretty good, comp, you know, good games. I mean, if you had told me, you know, Bo Nix was going to throw 377 yards and have two touchdowns, really, I could argue for that third one, which was somehow ruled not a touchdown, even though it looked like it was. I would have said, yeah, great. We, we played really well. Yeah. But for 30 minutes of that game, we didn't have much offense going. Uh, Bo was not the problem this game. Uh, people are, you know, I, I've seen people saying that, well, because he had a not good second half. But are you looking beyond just your hate for Bo Nix at what's actually going on? We haven't even talked about the offensive mm-hmm. line. You know, no. that's my sticking point. I'm, oh, I've no. been real good about holding off on that right now. <laughs> and, and, uh, and Jared and I have too. Like, that's one of our, you know, things we keep riding on is there's a reason Tank Bigsby is getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. It's not his fault. It's somebody else's or multiple people, and I'm leaning out. You know, well, well let me push on back that. on you a little bit, Jared. I called you Jared. Wow. <laughs> uh, on that, just a little bit. It is still Tank's fault. You cannot – and that's, I think, the thing that's missed sometimes with people who have a problem with people seeing things a different way is they, they can't have a little give and say, okay, yes, this might be everybody's fault. There may be blame to go and elsewhere in the case of Tank and the offensive line. It starts with the offensive line. I mean, that's you can't take that because Tank can't just run up to the defense and beat them all. He has to have the offensive line do their job. But, you know, there has reached a point this season where I've started saying, okay, what's going on with Tank? Why isn't he getting the the, uh, absorption that he – and when I say that, because you call players that bounce like Sean Shivers. I mean, he literally – he's a bowling ball that bounces (laughs) everywhere. You get Tank Bigsby. He, like, absorbs the blows and, like, redirects it, and that hasn't been happening. So there has to be some blame to go on to Tank or to the other running backs as well. You can't just put it all in the offensive linemen, but they are so crucial to that that you can start kind of questioning them more, if that makes sense, if I, if I yeah. put that together. Yeah, I mean, there, there should definitely be more questioning, as you say. I mean, there, there, I feel like 
this is our essentially third year. You know, I know some guys have been changed around, but it's, it's you know, kind of roughly the same offensive line. And, you know, this is kind of what we got. This is it. And we're about to have a changeover completely for the most part in offensive line next year. And that's, uh, I don't know, like that, that concerns me. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> very much <laughs> just knowing that we, we haven't gotten that much production out of, you know, this offensive line, like we had hoped. I mean, you're hoping they can run the ball, give Bo enough time, and yet, you know, Bo's having to run for his life a lot of times. You know what? When a quarterback's running for his life, it's not always great. Sometimes you get those magical moments. Yes, those are those are great. Um, and, and it just makes it harder, like we mentioned, on the running backs to, to make the big plays that we're hoping they will, especially good, at Auburn. Like, we, we think of ourselves kind of still as a running back you. And right. we haven't been in of recent. Hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick timeout from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C Network booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C Network to join the E2C Network Booster Club. You can also get there by going to our website, e2cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. I, I used your uh, discussion about Bo Nix to launch into my uh, frustrations with the offensive line. So let me come back to Bo for just a second. Uh-huh. Again, not his fault whatsoever. Bo, uh, I, I think, uh, for the most part, played a... a great game i won't say outstanding i you know but i think a great game uh had an outstanding first half with the 377 yards like you said uh, a couple of great passes whether you know it was to shedrick and things like that you know shed uh stayed up for most of the game <laughs> this mm-hmm. time which was good yeah uh that great pass to kobe with what what a catch there uh wow uh sports center hello have you seen that one yet <laughs> i don't know if it was on their top 10 uh bo what people will not be able to take away from Bo is every time he's had a bad game, he's responded. And mm-hmm. that's what you want to see in a leader. So, you know, that's why when I see some of the criticism that I see about him, I get a little bit you know, defensive of him. I was like, you're acting like this guy's the worst in the world, but every time he's responded and he responded this game, was he less effective in the second half? Certainly. There are some reasons for that that are outside of him, um, but also somewhat responsible uh, for, some things that he wasn't doing as well. You talked about, you know, there's a couple passes behind players. You yep. notice, have you noticed that tends to happen when we're not getting a little bit of support from the other areas, whether that's catching passes, creating the run game, pass blocking um, that 
tends to happen to most players that go under that, you know? Yeah. No one's no one's sitting here saying that Bo is the second coming of Pat Sullivan, but he's a pretty dang good quarterback and he has won more games for us than we deserve for him to the way we treat him. That is so true. I mean, there's so many times I, I think of if we had, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, think about even last year. We didn't even really have a true backup. It was Grant Loy. And right. I mean, Grant Loy is you know, a backup quarterback, and that's what he is. If we didn't have Bo last year, my goodness, we would have even rough, even more of a rough year. And and I think TJ Finley is pretty good, but he's not up to what Bo is yet. And, yet, not yet. And, and that's the key. Like TJ's only had pretty limited reps, even when he was at LSU, and now he's had some limited reps at Auburn. He can he can still play. He's a baller. Like he think. I mean, obviously, him coming to Auburn was a sign that he thought if he's he's got a shot. And who knows next year if Bo decides to stay, maybe TJ's our guy. Maybe they decide to change change who who's going to be their main quarterback. Right. I I'll say this about TJ. Uh, I've always called as as long as he chooses to be, he's the future of Auburn's quarterback position. Whether that's next year or two seasons down the road, we'll find out probably a lot of that information sooner than rather than later um he's not at fault for this game whatsoever even despite the not great performance he had like in two or three snaps um that's not on him the, the game it, was already over yeah I, I don't put that on <laughs> tj uh and i i think that goes to prove my points that i've been saying all along the issues that you, people want to attribute to Bo doesn't matter who you put there they're still gonna be the same issues because of the support that is not around the quarterback position and right. tj proved that point tj didn't prove that point the lack of support he received uh proved that point right yeah i mean that second play he was i think having to roll around ended up fumbling the ball i mean like bo could have easily done the exact same thing and that's because the offensive line wasn't doing their job yep all right i think we've done enough griping and uh, oh, i'm not done all... don't worry oh, okay, okay. <laughs> you want to talk about defense now like any specific players any any kind of thoughts about that uh I guess I'll start with something that stuck out to me. You know, Roger McCreary has had a great year and he is going to be a first rounder Uh, from just the initial, you know, being at the game, watching him. I, he got, he had a tough matchup. The wide receiver, I forget the number and the name he was stuck with was like five inches taller than him. And um, he did a, I felt like a decent job. And I noticed a couple of times too, that they were the offense trying to set up Auburn in a situation where they had to either make a choice to move Roger McCree to the other side of the field to get the guy he was supposed to be on or to keep him over there. So, cause there was one time Roger was lined up. I think it was, if we're on, we're staring at the offense, like where the defense, he was on the left side. He like looks over and he notices like their star receivers on the other side. He has to run across the field to get him because the, I think that goes to show you, kind of like we were talking about earlier, this defensive backfield is not ready for what uh, Mason wants to do right now, mm-hmm. which is why they're having to rely so heavily on a guy like Roger. And that wears on you a little bit. You can be a first rounder all you want, but you're not going to have a great. And I'm not saying he didn't have a great game because I noticed times that he did. He did have a great game, but um, that's something that stuck out to me. Um, you know, there was a lot of man coverage in this game, apparently, um, probably still not enough for some people. But uh, I think you see why we don't do man coverage a lot. And I also think you see why we still struggle at uh, with, with the zone. It, it, I think it's just people have got to realize, you know, this defensive backfield was not what we thought it was going to be. It has some great yeah. players on it and maybe some great talent that will be there someday. But it is it struggles. It yeah. struggles. Oh, it, it definitely struggles. 
And, and that's coming from, you I mean, think about the last few years, Auburn put out some great defensive backs and, you know, that's part of the reason we've put them into the NFL um, and, and we don't have them on our team anymore. And so, you know, the next guys up, you know, th- there's a handful of them. I mean, you called them out already. Uh, McCreary and I think Jalen Simpson are kind of the future of our secondary. Uh, well, McCreary is about to graduate, but definitely Jalen Simpson. And, you know, guys like that, we need more of them. And, right. you know, knowing Derek Mason and his heart for how much he just, you know, coaches DBs was one of himself. Like, he's going to bring that, you know, back up to what we hope as long as he sticks around, stays at Auburn for another year or so. Um, it's just going to, again, <laughs> I'm going to harp on it too patience we need it um and and this is you know i think this is kind of showing you i mean as much as i've said it a couple of podcasts ago we have a good defense we really do it's just some matchups we were not built for like this air raid offense we are not right now built for it to stop it you know in a I, couple more years i think we could have i i'm not i was almost going to disagree with you but i, I like the okay. way you rephrase that i don't i personally don't think we have a good defense uh, really? I think we have great players, great players and great talent. Rogers a testament to that. Derek Hall is a testament to that. Owen Papo, Chandler, you know, they're great players. But a a good defense doesn't have forty points unanswered. Uh, unanswered obviously brings the offense into the equation, but they right. don't allow six straight touchdowns or whatever it was, you know, in a row like that. That's not a good defense. And I know that's just one game, but I, this defense is still trying to figure themselves out, and, you, and that's what you were saying is yeah. that it's it's still going to take some time. So I, I don't like the – personally, I don't like us saying that they're a good defense because I have not seen that along with the consistency out there. I've seen great talent, great individual plays, but as a unit outside of maybe the Texas A&M game, which was probably their best game, you know, keeping them, uh, you know, only giving up one touchdown. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, that's just kind of where I'm at with the defense right now. As much as I want people to kind of har- stop being so critical of everything, you know, I, I'm going to also admit I don't think they're good in the sense. And we can debate. People are going to get upset about me saying they're not good, but that's just playing semantics at that point. Yeah, I mean, it, it's good. I mean, whatever your definition of good is, I mean, like for me, good is holding a team in today's age, you know, around 20 points. Yeah, and and if you look at the scoreboard. 43 points put up of Mississippi state. I mean, right. You know, by numbers, you know, you're probably not winning unless you have a, you know, an electric offense, which I mean, we had, we showed it at the beginning and then, you know, this is the weird thing, weirdness of this offense It's we're up and then we're down and yeah. we're up and we're back down. Right. Um, I did want to call out. So this was my guy to watch last uh, for, for more for this Mississippi state game. Well, Smoke Monday. I mean, I I was yep. watching him all over the field. Like he, I think one of his you know biggest growing points. He's been great at the run, run stopping. That I love him. Play him up at the line, do that. But I've always been thinking this dude needs to you know get better pass coverage. He was playing really well. Almost had an interception. Had a pass deflection. I mean, he was doing everything in his power to right. to play on defense and i was really impressed with how smoke played i think smoke is some of his criticism that he's had for his coverage is, is warranted uh, what he brings to the table and his playmaking ability though uh is can't be denied i just think it's better suited for the old scheme that we had uh this Probably is a, right. yeah this is a scheme um 
that I don't think he's it exposes maybe some of his weaknesses, but that doesn't take away from him probably having a decent game here. Uh, yeah. He almost had that interception. Uh, he, you know, he, he made a couple of plays at times. I, I just think that I, I just sound like a broken record, so I'm not going to say it again. But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think he had a great game. There's like several other players, you know, Zach would kind of did what he normally does leading the team in tackles Chandler yeah. Wooten again as who stepped up, you know, th- that's the thing is like the linebackers, I feel like they're the forgotten story about this because e- even despite the injuries that they've worked through and people being rightly or unrightly uh, hit with targeting fouls, they've kept them out of games. They've had a guy step up here and there and they did. They're doing this without P- Papo several times, you know, Chandler right. Wooten, you know, for his first year back since taking last year off is he had another great game, 10 tackles. And, you know, he, he, I just I hate it for the linebackers because I feel like they all have been the stalwart for this defense for the most part. Yeah, but they're suffering because of you know the trying to figure this new defense out and whether it's going to work or not. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree, and and I I think this was one of the bigger games for Chandler Wooten. Like the amount of time just because Owen wasn't able to play this last week, ten tackles and even got a you know tackle for loss. He he was playing great he was out in coverage he was doing the things he was supposed to and i mean you can't ask for much more um when you need to step in there uh and you know for a lot of the you know this last season he's kind of been you know he's he's out there a handful but like this game he was out there it seemed like every play yep um i did want to hit on because we're on defense you know the td moultrie targeting i was dreading this one okay here we go <laughs> you ready i, I want to hear a ben I, king type rant let's go <sighs> Get 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 the engines revved. Ready? First of all, Derek Hall, <laughs> what a beast. I had like Jadavian Clowney moments. You remember that play that he had? I think it was against Michigan, South Carolina versus Michigan yes. in the Gator yes. Bowl, I think it was, uh-huh. where he literally just took the man's soul from his body and then oh, yeah. picked up the ball with his bare hand after and dragged the man's soul away at the same time. <laughs> that was basically Derek Hall at that moment. I, the Will Rogers again, to his credit, had a great game. Well, that was that was TD Moultrie. I'm pretty sure wasn't. I'm it? sorry, was that yeah. TD Moultrie? I, I've got everybody Derek Hall mixed up. did have a, a fumble that he caused. That is true. You you I've got the I get these guys so sack, mixed well, up sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but if we're gonna talk about the that that hmm, 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 Kyle, keep it together. The, that so called targeting penalty. Um, there has been more discussion and more backlash, not just from fans, but from, you know, personalities that have some stake in, you know, the future of college athletics and college football, whether that be a Tim Tebow or something like that are now starting to speak out about this. And I think, and my hope is that we're finally going to get this off season, uh, either we'll never get the removal because that's just the society that we live in now about this whole targeting situation. Uh, we're going to get the clarification or the or a fix for this whole targeting fiasco that it is. If that is targeting, we should never play a snap of football again. Yeah. Th- there's nothing else he can do. You're playing we, a contact sport. His face mask was up. Like head was up. He yeah. all he and they, and they met their face mask next because of the way he was falling back and he was falling towards him trying to block a pass right. and took the advantage to take the guy down. What is he supposed to do? Just fall at his feet and hope that he trips him up with his big old <laughs> self? I, I, I don't really know what we're yeah. supposed to do anymore. 
and the most frustrating thing about this is this happened to us three times. You know, I, I'm not even, I'm gonna even take the two other targeting penalties that were called against us in the game and never yeah. came to fruition off the table. I think I'm pretty sure those were pretty bogus, but I'm not even gonna bother with them. This one right here, and the thing that I have the problem with a bunch of the Mississippi State fans that have just gotten on their high horse about this, you you can't say that that doesn't alter the course of the game. I'm oh, yeah. not saying well, that, that was it, a. That was a third down play too. Like right. we stopped them. You can't say that it doesn't alter the course of the game. Essentially, what I'm trying to get across here. But I'm not saying that it caused the loss, but it sure made the situation a lot easier for Mississippi State when they were already surging. To their credit, nothing. You know, it's, it's all that's all to them that they made the adjustments to do that. But it does alter the game. It and, and frankly, in some ways, it alters the players' careers. Uh, you know, removing them from games where they're already prone to injury so much could be have ramifications for their future in this sport. Yeah, I, I know that's a bit of a step out to say that this rule was put in to protect mainly the offensive players, but also the defensive players from from tackling a certain way. And mm-hmm. I get that. I do. But this was not targeting. No. And you know what? The, the thing that honestly made me the most mad is it wasn't necessarily that like i felt like that it was such a late thing and you're just like even the guy like right in front of him was like what that didn't that look fine and and yet you know i don't know like it just honestly like when you have review like you expect them to get it right and yet you know maybe technically by the letter of the law this is right but even with that like you you're changing the way the game's going and that's not the way that the that's not the reason for targeting. That's not the reason for re- the review. It should let that game happen. Just let it happen. And yet, you know, here we are talking about, you know, that one play and we need something changed. And, and here, I would, I, here, I need it changed for my, my personal health. <laughs> here's the biggest thing. This started as a conversation about player safety, mainly making the case for the offensive players. It has now become an unsafe thing for the defensive players because now their choice is take the penalty and get kicked out for, you know, a couple of, ha- a couple of quarters and miss potentially maybe a, a big moment, a big po- point in your career. You know, it could yeah. be a big game coming up. You know, if this had been the South Carolina game, that's, you know, a big game coming up with Alabama that we can't not have this guy in. And he misses that opportunity uh, to play in that game. This is a thing. This has now become unsafe for the defensive players because now instead of meeting together at the same momentum where you probably cancel each other out, mm-hmm. you now have a situation where they're catching up, they're stopping and getting pummeled by the offensive players, potentially hurting them. Yeah. Because they're so scared they're going to get called for a foul. We've reached that point. That's not hyperbole anymore. We have quite, we have players literally on social media asking, what am I supposed to do? Right. And that's going to get somebody really hurt because now they're scared to make a play. And that's not how the game was meant to be played. I mean, that's what Zacoby was asking like early in the season. He was like, you want me to just let him score? That's not, that's not the point of being a defender. You're supposed to stop the offense. Right. And if you can't go in there and, you know, full, full steam tackle, it's just, yeah. All right. I felt that, that, I mean, I know I've been ranty today and I'm sorry, but that's, yeah, that's one of the things that got me going. (laughs) Yeah. And it it got, I think everybody going, I mean, not just Auburn fans, but you know, as like you said, there are national pundits talking about this. Last thing I'll say on this. And I don't know, again, there's people that get, you know, offended because they don't, you you think that certain 
groups have control over the situation. I don't know who has control, but Greg Sankey, and we don't have, we're not, this is never going to get to him, but I'm going to say it anyway. Greg Sankey, SEC office, y'all need, if you can't control it, you need to be getting on the phones with somebody in Cairns and overturning this, not from the sense of, you know, that's going to change the outcome of the game, but from the sense of affecting the players, you know, sitting out in this next game. That yeah. is not targeting. Yeah. And you are doing the wrong thing and they won't do it because they're cowards. And that sets a precedent for overturning that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm done now. Yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> uh, one more thing to, you know, kind of maybe potentially gripe about. So our special teams, they, they've had some, some iffy things going on. I mean, we had some kickoffs, punt returns that had blocking the backs, just get things. We had positive plays get called back. We had the block fill goal. You know, that fake punt thing that we tried, which I, why I don't understand. And then on top of that, our onside kick, just, you know, no chance of that. Right, man. Just uh, <laughs> overall, like special teams, not doing, not doing their job. And you know what the, the frustrating part is like, I think our special teams is better than that, but obviously they're not showing it. <sighs> this is a situation where I feel like our special teams have been asked to do too much. Um, you like know, just, you know, cause a turnover, block the punt, change the momentum. Is that what you're saying? Well, it's just they've they've been great for us and still are great in some areas. I mean, Oscar Chapman, give him the Ray Guy Award now. It won't happen because <laughs> that's just the way things go for Auburn yeah. punters. Uh, but, you know, Anders has probably not had overall the best year um, for him. We can have a debate whether it's his fault on that block kick or it's the offensive lineman's all you want. Um, I was a kicker, and I can tell you how different it is kicking from certain distances and certain angles and stuff like that. And you you can only do so much, just like the quarterback can only do so much. You have to block. And if our blocking on offense is an indication, Mm. I can guarantee you it's an indication on our special teams. I think that's an indication, honestly. If they're struggling blocking for Bo, yeah. I I mean, I think that's also part of – how we've gotten multiple kicks blocked this year, right? I feel like there's been I, one more. Um, maybe was there an extra point blocked, or did he just miss it? Uh, I think he just missed it. Okay, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure we've had at least one other situation like that. But yeah, uh, you know, the whole I don't. We were in such a bad way that I kind of don't flame Harson for uh, trying the little onside kick or the fake punt thing. But the team's just not ready for those things. They're just not. Yeah, uh, you know their their fundamentals are are not sound in the way that the Coach Harson, Coach Bobo, Coach Mason want them to do for their system yet for those things to have a high success rate. But at the same token, I can't fault them for trying them because nothing yeah. else was the defense wasn't stopping anybody. The outside of Bo, you know, um, you know, getting a little bit of momentum going with his throwing in the third, I think it was the late fourth quarter. Um, there was really nothing else happening. So you got to maybe ask the special teams one more time, pull some magic out of your butts. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was a disappointment overall. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Oscar Chapman, I mean, I, I'll harp on him just a little because he was a bright spot to this day when he's having a punt. And thankfully we only had to really punt. We probably should have punted three times, but two of those punts, you know, were around 50 yards. I mean, yeah. that's, pretty awesome like the dude can punt and and that first punt was 52 yards nailed it down at the like one or two yard line i mean he is not the problem of special teams this year (laughs) (laughs) and that's awesome like i love that but yeah there's plenty of other spots yeah 
you know, the problems that you're seeing with special teams are, are, are fundamental issues, blocking and tackling and holding on to the football. You know, you've got here with the kickoff that was fumbled by Pritch at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the last thing I want to say about special teams, but it's for Mississippi State. Uh, has their kicker won his job back? <laughs> I don't know, man. They, their kicker looked pretty good. Um, you know, I, I guess I don't know if it was a changeover or not from the situation, but uh, yeah, made the field goals when it counted. And, you know, it was that was the story of last week that he was going to have open tryouts. So maybe he's rethinking that after this game. Maybe that was just used to light a fire under whoever, whether it was the old kicker or the new kicker they're using now. But uh, I found that interesting that they were the ones that we thought would struggle in those situations, but yet we did. Yeah, it looks like this is the same kicker that they've had. He was just a freshman yeah, like this, he's already, yeah, same guy. Wow. So I guess that, you know, open tryouts, which apparently like 40-something people showed up and tried out. So, yeah, that must have lit his butt on fire and he got his, he got it in the gear. And that may be what it, all it was meant to do. That right. I, I, that may have been it. Um, I, I've had that pulled on me before uh, where coach finally, I was being a little inconsistent uh, in high school one time and coach had this guy who could kick it a mile. You know, I, I wasn't a distance kicker, but I was mostly accurate. Uh, but I was having a little struggle period <laughs> and it was just like, all right, this, uh, this guy's going to take your spot. If you cannot in practice this week, get make more than him. And wow, look at that. I made more, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just one of those situations where you kind of have to uh, light a fire under their butt and maybe it just kind of makes it click for everything. Kind of same with Bo, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Bo saw TJ have some success and they gave him another opportunity on the road and he responded. He struggled against uh, the last game, Texas A&M, and he responded against this game and was not the problem. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's a little bit to that, you know, just a little bit of, of mental war games going on between coach and players sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, but that's one of the tactics that a coach can use to motivate his players and it was used effectively. So. All righty. Any other final thoughts before we get out of here talking about this Mississippi State game that hopefully we won't be talking about for much longer? So I will ask this question for maybe final thoughts. Uh, Is this the worst Auburn loss in your mind that you've ever or just Auburn game, even if there's a Mm. game we won where it was just terrible? Is this the worst Auburn game that you've witnessed? I witnessed the Tennessee game from a few years ago. I also experienced all of the home games of 2012. I mean, for a team that's very talented and to lose this way it definitely hurt i don't know if i'd say it's the worst one that i've experienced but it's it's probably top five yeah yeah it's is it as bad as losing to la mo in your first year as a new head coach nick saban no but we see what happened after that so folks should remember that um there will be nothing in my mind worse than that three to two win over Mississippi State. <laughs> I will always remember where I was, AJ, in the bottom of the BCN because I was showing my butt so much that people had told me to go away from them. That I, there was the, you know, where I'm talking that bottom room where the pool table was oh, yes. down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching it by myself on that little rinky dink table down there, just just ranting and raving and screaming. I couldn't take it. Like I just, I lost my ever loving mind down there. I'm sure I would uh, too. So <laughs> that you know. That there were probably some moments similar to that in this game, but uh, yeah, that three to two Mississippi State game. Why is it always Mississippi State that makes what the this? Heck? What Mississippi State, for some reason, has the the ability, no matter how bad or good they might be, to just rip our hearts out. Yeah, and and we should beat them most times. Yep. I mean, what was the stat? I think we've beat Mississippi's teams, you know, Mississippi State and Ole Miss. I think the like last nine out of 10 games or something like that, mm-hmm. I mean, we should be beating them. 
I just want to put this one away. Uh, I got to talk about this one more not time on our Monday light uh, Monday night uh, live stream at 8 p.m. on YouTube. So come on over for that if you want some more ranting from me. Hey, uh, but, and yeah. you can probably poke and prod like I did a few times. You know, put some comments in the YouTube chat. Yeah. You'll get Kyle going. Oh yeah, I'm very <laughs> raw. I'm on edge a little bit this week, so don't <laughs> be careful. <laughs> my here's my theme for this week for Auburn fans uh, with things that may be coming out and stuff like that. Be careful what you ask for, and that goes for Prod and Kyle too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get ready. All right, uh, Kyle. How can the people stay in touch with you? Uh, if you want to talk to me, you can find me on Twitter at TigerI24. And as I've kind of addressed a lot throughout the stream, uh, make sure you uh, check us out on YouTube, E2C Network there. I do a lot of the stuff over there, some extra content for all you Auburn family members out there. Yeah, and you can uh, find me on Twitter at underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.